There are so many different parenting philosophies out there, so many experts, and there is judgment from every corner that we look to. Whatever we do, we will be judged by someone. And many of these parenting philosophies actually contradict each other. They say opposing things about sleep training or about potty learning or about education. So many of these different philosophies are paradoxical and conflicting. And then we are left wondering, well, what's the correct answer? And when we do fall in love with some approach, like attachment parenting, for example, we often are left feeling like we don't measure up, like we failed at it because we couldn't adhere to all of the strict rules that that approach teaches us. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Let me ask you something. Were you parented exactly the way that you want to parent? In other words, is the example that you saw the way that you want to continue? Is your default parenting approach one that you're proud of? Maybe you have some parenting practices, some things that come up in your relationship with your children that are kind of residue from your own childhood and they're things that you actually would rather do without. Maybe it's things like losing your cool and being overly frustrated or very anxious, very controlling, punitive, punishing, bribing, or being too permissive. These types of things are things that we often repeat, you know, just the practices that our parents did on us or that we actually react to those practices by doing the polar opposite, but not from an intentional place. So many of us then seek out a new way to parent. We look for a parenting philosophy. We go and learn about attachment parenting or rye parenting, simplicity parenting, unconditional parenting, Montessori parenting, Waldorf education, Reggio, Gentle parenting, respectful parenting, conscious parenting, peaceful parenting, all of the buzzwords, all of those disciplines of parenting that I'm super passionate about, by the way. But sometimes I see on myself and on those that I work with and in my community that it gets too dogmatic. Parents come to me the whole time asking me if it's okay to deviate from these rules, from these plans, from these philosophies, from these methodologies. If it's okay to wean from nursing or to not wean from nursing, if it's okay to co-sleep or not to, if it's okay to homeschool or not to, if it's okay for their children to sit in a high chair by the table rather than on a little table, or if it's okay for them to play with their children and entertain them when they want to. All of these parents come to me feeling depleted, feeling not good enough, feeling that they don't measure up, feeling that they can't possibly adhere to all the guidelines and restrictions of a particular parenting philosophy. You know, it's because some expert told them so. Some book outlined this methodology. Someone on Instagram is doing it differently. Some neighbor or teacher or grandparent told them that that's not the way to parent. So today, as a very celebratory opening episode to my podcast, I wanted to give you a little bit of an overview of my 
parenting philosophy, just to add it to the mix. And hopefully you'll see that mine is a little bit different than any of those prescriptive parenting philosophies. Because I don't believe in dogma. I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all. I believe in learning about all of these practices and taking what works for us. So by the end of this episode, you should have major clarity over your own philosophy about parenting. Hi, I'm Avital. If you are just meeting me for the first time, I'm a mindful parenting coach. I'm a mother of four, and my goal is to help you, my fellow imperfect, intentional parents, to say goodbye to clutter, chaos, and conflict, and reclaim peace, presence, and play for your family. I try out all sorts of alternative parenting approaches on my own family. I learn about them in my own lab at home and I share those that work for us with you. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about practical ways that we can reclaim peace, presence and play for our families. So a huge welcome to this celebratory episode. It's kind of like a pre-episode, pre-podcast episode So let's call it episode zero. And the show notes for this episode can be found at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash zero, the number zero. And that's how I'll be doing it throughout this podcast. Show notes for each and every show will be over at theparentingjunkie.com. So if I mention any resources or books or free downloads and gifts that I'm giving you guys, that will be the place to go. And it's also the place to share it out with your friends. If you think anybody else might benefit from this, I would absolutely be so grateful to you if you could just grab that link, theparentingjunkie.com forward slash zero and share that out. Now, before we dive into the meat and potatoes or tofu and potatoes for my vegans, high five, I would be remiss if I didn't start by saying a huge thank you and just really shouting out to all of you who have helped make this podcast a reality. So I have been getting requests for a podcast for a couple of years now. And just recently, a parenting junkie dad named Morgan left me this message on YouTube. He said, rip the audio files from all your videos and create a podcast so I can consume this amazing content on the go when working or driving. I truly believe I can become a better papa with your amazing philosophy. Sharing it through a podcast would change my world. Heart, 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 much love, Morgan. So shout out, Morgan. Thank you for being one of the catalysts that made this podcast a reality. And I want to shout out to many others who have just supported me recently. So we're going to get right into the philosophy in a moment, but just bear with me, indulge me in shouting out to Kanar Rasha, who said, your words are full of wisdom and I can't wait for the podcast. To Lair Franklin 12 over on Instagram, who said, cannot wait for the podcast. So exciting. To Maiko92, who said, so excited for your podcast. Creative Spark 112, who said, I have so much respect for and simply adore your unconventional voice of reason. So excited to listen to your podcast. And Imongi821, who said, This is amazing. Can't wait to listen to the podcast. Sontaki said, I'm excited. Our French Village Life said, She simply can't wait. Mulaka81 said, Hi, Avital. I love your work. You are so inspiring and encouraging. Source in my life. Looking forward to the podcast. So all those who were looking forward and who couldn't wait, here we are. 
ground zero of the podcast. I'm so excited to be launching. And I could not have done this without my incredible launch team. You know, I sent out an email a few weeks ago saying, I'm about to launch a podcast. Would you like to help give me feedback on the artwork and the intro music and the topics? And over 200 people jumped in on the very first day. I was blown away by the support. Thank you, Sarah and Rini, Maria, Eleanor, Leah, Tramilla, Maria, Samara, Brooke, Ula, Jennifer, Maxine, Sarah, Amanda, Jamie, Rose, Lorna, Tina, Tracy, Samantha, Julie, Anna, Rada, Galene, Cherry, Anna, Dawn, Stephanie, Elizabeth, Kristen, Sonia, Melissa, Connie, Caitlin, Tabitha, Emily, Jelly, Adriana, Lizzie Anne, Im, Fathia, Shara, Danielle, Miriam, Nicole, Delphine, Jeanette, Christine, Emily, Wanda, Tatiana, Julie, Katie, Miss Lava, Emily, and Wanda. There are so many more of you that I would like to thank in person and in name, but 200 is too many to read on a podcast. So just know that I appreciate each and every one of you and the amazing feedback and critique and honest, authentic excitement and enthusiasm that you share helping me spread this message. It is absolutely a community endeavor. So thank you so much for showing up and making this happen with me. I appreciate each and every one of you who is subscribing and reviewing and rating the podcast and sharing it with your friends. You're part of the movement to reclaim peace, presence, and play. And I acknowledge and appreciate you. And if you haven't yet subscribed, rated, or reviewed the podcast, you can do so over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash review. You'll get all of the info there. And I am holding some really fun giveaways to those of you who are doing so. So you could be winning one of my courses absolutely free or some other really awesome prizes that we've got going on. And we'll be announcing those winners soon. So please do that. Okay, so now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive into the problem. As I've stated at the beginning of this episode, I think that it's very difficult for us today to align with any particular parenting philosophy. And on the other hand, we are so flooded with so much information, so many different to-dos, so many different methods and philosophies that we can end up feeling really confused and just falling short on every front. I know I certainly have felt that way, and sometimes I still do. It's this idea that I don't actually fulfill the expectations of these experts, or maybe it's the people around you that you feel are judging you, right? Many of us don't know what type of parent we want to be. We often know what we don't want. We've often seen a lot of what we don't want in our own parents or around us, in parents nearby. But then when we go seeking information about what we do want, we come up against confusion. Should we be setting boundaries or are we being too controlling? We get overwhelmed and confused. Should we be nursing on demand or should we be following a strict routine? Should we be potty training early and saving the planet and not using a lot of diapers? Or is that disrespectful to the child and we should in fact be following their lead and it should be child-led? 
you know, I often felt like I just wasn't good enough because I wasn't sticking to the script of any particular school of parenting. I would read one book and get swayed in that direction and then hear a lecture uh, by a different expert and get swayed in the other direction only to feel confused and just like I'm failing on all fronts. You know, I loved Rye and Magda Gerber's philosophy, but then I wasn't Rye enough because we used a pacifier or because I liked baby-led weaning or because I cloth diapered and I did elimination communication. But then I wasn't really fully elimination communication because we still used diapers. And I wasn't really fully cloth diapering because when we traveled, I used disposables. Or I'm not crunchy enough, or I'm not holistic enough, or I buy, you know, packaged food so I'm not green enough. Maybe I'm not attachment parenting enough because I don't co-sleep until my kids are very big or I do some form of sleep learning where I expect my babies to eventually sleep through the night and I won't just nurse on demand forever and ever or I wean them at some point. And then you start to feel guilty and like an outsider in every group. You start to feel like you're failing on every front. And also you bump up against a sense of confusion as every parenting decision, you're kind of starting from scratch with your research. You kind of don't know what to follow and your internal voice, your intuition, your own feeling, your own gut sense of just what works for you and what's right for this kid and this time and this family just becomes completely overridden. It becomes kind of hidden in a way. And we end up feeling a lot of guilt and like an outsider. So has this ever happened to you? I want to know if you've ever felt like you're falling short on some parent methodology or you're like, you're just confused and overwhelmed with all the information out there and you don't know what will work for you or what's the right way, or you can't reconcile conflicting ideas. You know, I've had this in many cases. For example, I love Dr. Peter Gray's research and I love his work. And he talks about really child-led learning. And he says that children's screen time should be completely unlimited, that they should completely self-moderate their own screen usage. And if you contrast that to Janet Lansbury, for example, whose writings I also love, but then she teaches that we should really try to be screen free in childhood and that screens are damaging. And both argue their cases so convincingly and both bring so much research to back them up. And we can just feel extremely confused at that point. So if you've ever had this problem or if you know someone who feels confused in parenting and could do with a little encouragement, I would love it if you just snap a selfie right now of you listening to this episode or if you snap a screenshot of this episode and just share it out on Instagram or in your Instagram stories or on Facebook and tag me at Parenting Junkie. Um, and just tag anyone who you think it might help. Um, I would really love it if you could do that. So we, we spoke about this feeling of confusion and guilt, and I want to tell you that I am no stranger to this. And often it's the groups themselves, it's the mothers themselves who follow a certain idea or have a certain dogmatic view of the world that become pretty cliquey and judgmental of, of us, of those of us on the outside. You know, I'll give you an example for this. I joined a Rye Facebook group a while back and I loved Rye and I wanted to learn more about Rye. And for those of you who don't know, Rye stands for, it's R-I-E, it's spelled R-I-E and it stands for Resources for Infant Educators or Educarers. And the ideas behind Rye are very respectful 
very much about independence of a baby and communication with a baby. And they're all based on Magda Gerber's teachings and her pediatrician, Emmy Pickler, and their work together. So when I joined this Facebook group, I was elated. I was so happy that there was a community around this. And wow, I had a place to ask my questions. And then I asked a question about pacifier use because my child was using a pacifier at the time and Rai is against pacifiers. And I was trying to figure out what to do and how to handle it. And as a result, I got kicked out of the group. I literally was just um, banned, you know, removed. And I was so confused. I was actually hurt at the time. You know, today I'm in a very different place and I probably couldn't get hurt by that kind of thing anymore. It just almost makes me laugh or makes me sorry for those people. But at the time I felt so rejected and I felt like the support that I was seeking and that I was needing and the confusion that I was facing was being slammed in my face. And I was kind of being told, you're not good enough simply because you had a question, simply because you questioned our dogma, our agenda, our teachings. And today I know that that is a really unhealthy group of people who can't handle respectful dialogue and respectful questions and honest, sincere, authentic requests for help. Today, I have a very different approach on the kind of world I want to see and the kind of world I want to shape and the kind of communities that I want to build. But at the time, that really stung. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been kicked out of a group or criticized or made to feel like an outsider, like you don't belong? Well, that was my first attempt at kind of being part of a philosophy or a group. But a couple of years later, I tried again and I tried with a homeschool group. And this was when my kids were still in a program and they still are today, by the way. We don't fully homeschool. I'll tell you more about that in an upcoming episode. But basically, I wanted to learn more about homeschool. I was so fascinated. I thought, yes, homeschool, this makes sense. This is the type of thing I want to do, but I I don't know how to do it. I've never seen it done. I don't know anyone who does it. I wish I had a community around me. I want to learn more. And I joined this Facebook group in the hopes of joining a meetup. And I wrote to the woman, hey, uh, I'm so excited. I'd love to come to this meetup and get to know fellow homeschoolers and, and understand more about how you're doing it. And she said, well, wait a minute, fellow homeschoolers, are you homeschooling? And I said, well, not yet, but we're on the path. I'm kind of ready to make that transition and I'm looking for some support and camaraderie and wisdom from my elders. And she banned me from the group and said, you're not welcome because you're not a real homeschooler. And I was gutted. I was devastated. I was out, you know, putting my heart on the line and opening myself up and being vulnerable and taking a step in a new direction and trying to belong to a new group and to a new idea that I was so excited about and passionate about. And here the group was being completely exclusive, uh, slamming the door in my face and saying, you are not welcome because you don't 100% align, adhere, answer our exact description. And it was, it was really devastating. It was really a difficult time for me because I felt like I wanted to belong and I wanted to learn more, but I wasn't allowed to be complex. I wasn't allowed to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I wasn't allowed to be in a rye group if I was still using a pacifier or in a homeschool group if I wasn't yet fully transitioned to homeschooling, but only dabbling in it. Now, I want to tell you about my philosophy. And you might be thinking, well, you're just giving me another philosophy, another dogmatic idea. And that's what I want to kind of dispel here. 
I want to tell you that I believe in certain ideals and goals and values, but I believe in them as guidelines. I believe in them as North Stars, as something that, you know, we can kind of calibrate our compass to. But even more than that, I believe in you and me and people and our nuanced abilities to think and process things and filter things and apply ideas in a way that actually makes sense for our real lives. Not just take things and swallow them whole uh, without applying our thinking, our critical thinking, our ability to analyze and decide and feel and intuit whether things work for us. Now, we do need a group. We do need alliance. We do need to belong and we absolutely need support on this parenting journey. So if you're sitting there thinking, no, I'm good. I don't need a philosophy. I don't need a group. I know what I'm doing. I challenge you on that. I beg to differ because I think that children were created to be raised in a group, in a tribe. We all know it takes a village. But today, most of us don't have a physical village. We don't have that group of elders sitting around with all the mothers and aunties and grandmas and uncles and uh, grandpas. Sorry, not to exclude the men. The men are important parts of that too. And all of our tribe, male and female, supporting us and teaching us and showing us all different ways to be, to parent, to raise children. We don't have that in person. And if you do, wow, like I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. But I don't. I don't just walk out my house and chill with, you know, the 30 people in my clan who are all raising my children with me. I need that support. I need to see other parents in action and see how they're doing it and diversify my approach and add to my tool belt and expand my skills by learning, by apprenticeship, by kindred spirits who are traveling this path alongside me and sharing resources and pooling wisdom. So if you're thinking, I don't need a group, I just want to say, I think we all do. But I think that in today's day and age, we can create that, you know, through online tools, which is what my work is all about. But of course, we need it in person as well. Now, you also might be thinking, well, why are you taking these experts so seriously? Just take it with a pinch of salt. Just, you know, apply it through your own filter. And I think that that's true. Absolutely. We must apply it through our own filter. But I think when we hear that an expert suggests this or that, or that people who we respect are doing it in a certain way, or an Instagram account shows us a different way of living and a different approach to life, Um, When we hear research about a certain topic, like if you hear research that crying it out is damaging or research that schools are damaging or that homework is a waste of time or whatever it is that challenges the way that you're doing things, hey, listen, it hurts. It pinches. It stings. It makes us second guess ourselves and do a double take and not be sure. It makes us doubt. It makes us doubt that we know what we're doing. Okay, so we have, I think, thoroughly explored the problem here, that feeling of being an outsider, of being confused, of being overwhelmed, of not belonging to any philosophy, of not knowing what what philosophy should guide us. So now let's get to the good news. Now let's get to a philosophy that I feel can encompass a diverse, inclusive array of parenting styles and needs while still being a guideline, while still being something that can help us make decisions So here's my philosophy in a nutshell. It goes like this. 
love parenting and parent from love. That's it. Love parenting and parent from love. But I hope that I can help you to tease apart just how much goes into this philosophy. So let's start with the first section, okay? Love parenting. What does that mean and why do we start there? Love parenting means that we enjoy the process, that we do things, that we make choices that empower us to not be a victim and not be a martyr and not be in a place of sacrifice in our parenting. I think so many parenting practices across the spectrum, from the most mainstream, punitive, uh, manipulative parenting there is, all the way through to attachment parenting, gentle parenting, respectful parenting, and everything in between, I think some of the practices there can lead us to feel that we need to sacrifice our self-care, our self-needs, and just the joy in our life at the altar of raising our children. And if it isn't joyful for us, if it isn't something that we can enjoy or at least feel good about, feel that we are happy with the way that we're doing things. And I know it's not always going to be all fun and games. We're not going to be with a massive smile on our face all the time. I mean joy in the deeper sense. I mean that we love it in the deeper sense that it brings meaning to us, that we feel good about it, that we feel empowered in our role as a parent. If it's not doing those things, then who is it serving? Which child wants a parent who is a martyr and a victim, who feels, oh, woe is me, I'm giving up on my life and on my body and my needs and my marriage and my career for you. I work so hard for you. I cook and clean all day for you. I give up on my joy and happiness for you. Which child benefits from the parent who says, I'm sacrificing my sleep so that you can sleep with me? I'm sacrificing my health so that I can be home with you. I'm sacrificing my money so that I can spend time with you. If you are doing things from a place of sacrifice, from a place of feeling like a victim, then it's not fun for you. And by proxy, it's not fun for your children. Listen, we only get this life, probably, right? Maybe, whatever. I don't know. Maybe we get other lives. But at the moment, we only have this life. Isn't it worth enjoying it? Doesn't your joy matter? Doesn't enjoying the season of your life, being in a place of loving what you're doing, loving the moment, isn't that important? I always think that tomorrow isn't promised, right? We only have this moment. We only have this season. And so, of course, we can put certain things off for later and we need to make choices about what we do right now. Maybe we are putting off our careers or maybe our sleep isn't what it quite should be or our health isn't up to snuff. But the question is what's going on in your mind. Is your mind in a place of victimhood and of martyrdom? Then your parenting philosophy, quite frankly, sucks. (laughs) You need to put that parenting philosophy and method in the garbage if it's leading you to a place of suffering. Suffering doesn't benefit anyone. So if you're staying home from your job, or if you're going to your job and not staying home, or if you're co-sleeping, or breastfeeding, or baby wearing, or I don't know, whatever parenting practice you're doing, but it's causing you to suffer, You aren't doing it from a place of love and genuine giving of the heart, then I would really call that parenting practice into question. I would really ask yourself if your motivations are 
from the right place, if they're pure or if they're egoic. Now, of course, many of us are motivated from egoic reasons and that's okay. We're all egotistical beings and that's part of life. And no, you're not going to love parenting all of the time. You're not going to enjoy it all of the time, but we need to take steps to design a life that we love, to design a day-to-day that we love, to design a work experience that we love, a food experience that we love, a home, a physical environment that we love, and relationships that we love. We need to be intentional about that because you could go through your whole life, many people have and many people are, not enjoying it, not crafting those days and those relationships and those experiences that bring them joy, that bring them meaning, that bring them value in the world. And I don't think you can be miserable enough to benefit anyone else. Your misery and your suffering never benefits anyone. The only thing that benefits other people is when you elevate yourself so much that you elevate them as well. When you fill your love cup up so much that it spills over to them. You can't make yourself so miserable in order to make others so happy. It doesn't work like that. Misery is contagious. Suffering is contagious. So if you're making yourself miserable over anything, any parenting practice, that's what your children, unfortunately, are receiving from you. They are not receiving the joy and the love that we mean to put into it because it's coming from a place of suffering. No one enjoys to receive something that someone suffered for. We enjoy to receive gifts that come from a place of generosity and calm and giving and and love. So that's the love parenting part. We need to make this fun. I think all children deserve to grow up with a parent who enjoys them, who has fun with them, who does the things that they actually like to do with them. You know, there's so much parenting advice that you need to do this or that with your children. You need to read to them a certain amount a day, or you need to do puzzles with them, or get down on the floor and play with them, or bake with them, or take them here or take them there. And I Call into question anything that gives you a dogmatic teaching. And if I ever do that in any of my videos or podcasts, then call that into question as well. Ask yourself, okay, but does this apply to me? Does this apply to my child, to our needs, to our specific idiosyncratic, unique situation? Because it doesn't apply to everyone all of the time. It cannot, seeing as we're all so diverse. So what does love parenting look like for you? What does it look like for you to love this journey, to love this time with your child? What would make parenting a fun thing for you? What are the things that you do enjoy doing with your children? What are the things that you do enjoy doing for your children? Those are the things you want to double down on. Those are the things you want to amplify in your life and minimize and really reduce, outsource anything that causes you suffering. That was this first part, love parenting. The second part is parent from love. Listen, we can get so many ideas about methodologies and about what to do and what to say and scripts galore and all of that stuff is awesome and it helps. But at the end of the day, what really matters is our intention. What really matters is where we're coming from, is our motivation. Motivation and intention matter a lot. What comes from the heart goes to the heart. And it really does. You cannot hurt someone from a place of love. It it just can't be done. People say that they can do it. They say, oh, I spanked my child because I love them. 
I don't believe that's true. I believe that when you're truly motivated from a place of love, you can't cause people harm. When you're truly motivated from a place that cares, that wants to bring about a connection, that wants to bring about a smile on a face, a hug, a a kiss, a loving moment together, goodness, then we find the right words, we find the right actions, we find the right practices. Yes, it's helpful to learn about all of the, the different parenting methodologies and scripts and philosophies and ideas and those things can help us. But at the end of the day, you can do the most quote unquote correct parenting thing and do it from a place of anger and fear and it will have lost all of its charm, all of its benefits, right? If I tell you that it's good to wear your baby in a sling as attachment parenting teachers, for example, and hey, I love wearing my babies in a sling or in a carrier. I think it's a wonderful practice. I love it. But if I tell you to do that and you feel cranky and in pain and you're actually getting resentful of your baby because it's hurting your back and he's on you all day and you just want to put the baby down, but you're doing it, you're going to stick to your guns and you're going to do it because attachment parenting said so, then I don't call that coming from a place of love. I don't think that's love and self-compassion or compassion for your child. I think that's a place that builds resentment. That's a place that builds fear. That's a place that isn't trusting your intuition. So if you are co-sleeping or if you are homeschooling or if you are um, doing anything, okay, designing a playroom, buying a gift for Christmas, I don't care what the practice is, but you're doing it through gritted teeth or you're suffering through pain or you're doing it whilst resenting your child and resenting the very act that you're doing, then I don't think that's helpful for anyone. So parenting from love is about saying, you know, what is an act of love for me? What is my love language? How can I express this from a place that comes from from truth? that feels good. Okay. That could just be the the deciding factor. Does it feel good? Does it feel right? Does it feel good to you and your child? Our bodies and our emotions are such wonderful senses. They really are an internal guidance system. It's a compass. So if your body is clenching up and getting stressed over something, that's a good sign that you should stop doing that. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't push through uncomfortable situations. We should. But there is a difference between discomfort and pain. Discomfort, going into an uncomfortable zone, feels like we're pushing ourselves to an edge that actually feels good, okay? Let's use the analogy of yoga. When you're in a position where you need to push yourself, where you need to concentrate, when you need to hold the pose, even though it's uncomfortable, that generally feels good to us. Even though we're dying to get out of the pose and we just want to release, it still feels good to us because we're holding something that our bodies want to be stretched into. But if it starts to hurt, then we must back off. That's not, it's kind of like a a stop sign. Don't come down this road, it's hurting. Okay, if in parenting something is hurting, something feels like banging your head against the wall, something feels like there's just so much conflict and pushback and, and, and just pain, frustration, it doesn't feel good, then that is a good sign that you wanna back off. There are places of discomfort, of emotions, of pain, of crying that can be necessary to go through. But when it's actually painful, when it actually feels just all wrong inside, 
that's a good signal that you're not parenting from love. You're parenting from a place of fear. And that is not the motivation that we want to go for. I hope that this has been helpful for you to understand the idea of love parenting and parenting from love. The idea here is that it should be flexible enough that you can find yourself within it, right? That you can find all of the different practices that you want within it, but also a kind of measure, a kind of guide that still helps you to feel confident. Like I can hold up a question and say, does this help me to love parenting? And is this parenting from love? And there are still going to be those places where we're a little bit confused, you know, should I let my baby cry or not? Um, Should I set a limit around this? Should I take the toy away when they're being violent with it? There are still going to be practices that we're unsure about. But as an overarching theme and guideline in my life, this is my little law that I try to follow because I need to liberate myself and Many of the people in my community need this liberation from specific adherence and from bowing down to a book or an expert or research or a law, (laughs) like one of those methodologies that I outlined. Whether it's mainstream parenting or attachment parenting, it doesn't matter. We need to give ourselves permission to love parenting, to enjoy it, and permission to parent from love. I really hope that that hits home from you and that that is helpful. And you might be wondering, okay, so I want to love parenting and I want to parent from love. And I realize that a big key to that is loving myself and enjoying this process. And I need to take care of myself. And if you're wondering how you can kind of get it all done, the self-care piece and maybe the career piece, maybe the homeschooling piece, maybe the time management piece, whatever it is that you are trying to fit into the puzzle of your life. Um, I want to help you with some ways of doing that. It is not easy to fit it all in. So next week, I'll answer a question that I get asked a lot, which is how I get it all done, how I fit my business and the homeschooling and the self-care and the marriage into my life at the moment. It's not perfect, but hopefully you can take away some things from that story. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I cannot wait to see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. This episode is brought to you by my free masterclass, How to Transform Your Relationship to One of Respect, Connection and Teamwork Without Dragging Your Partner to a Single Therapy Session. In this masterclass, you'll learn how to get aligned on your parenting style and division of labor and how to ethically make profound changes in your partnership without your partner even knowing about it. Here's what Shoshi said, Avital, I am in love with your approach and so grateful to Facebook advertising for discovering you. Thank you for this webinar and I'm looking forward to learning more from you about marriage and parenting. Rebecca said, thank you for the webinar. I think you have a fabulous program developed and hit all of the hot button topics that I struggle with in my marriage. If you want these type of results as well, you can sign up for free at www.theparentingjunkie.com forward slash partners.